Welcome to the CGOB Sports Show podcast. On this episode, we learn about a special program that's being started to teach those who can't see self-defense. Joined in studio by Veronica, who is blind, and her guide dog, as well as her trainer, Kevin, to talk about that program. Also, Thomas Miles of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers stops by to talk about the preparation that goes into a football game for him. He likes to read a book. That's cool. And Bob Irving's chat with Justin Medlock about his process. That's coming up on the podcast. We're joined in studio now by two people, Veronica Kenya and Kevin, Kevin Cumberfield, and Veronica also with her guide dog. Uh, I appreciate you all coming in tonight. Thanks for having us down here. And the reason I have you here is because, uh, well, Veronica, why don't you explain why I have you here? Well, we are here because we are starting a brand new program under run by the Manitoba Sports Blind Association, and it's a self-defense program. It's a brand new program. Nothing like that was ever offered before, and it's something that was born at the club where I practice now for the last two years, and Kevin is my instructor. So why did you get into jujitsu in the first place? Um, the reason why I got into jujitsu and this particular jujitsu is because I was practicing Aikido at the time, but I have realized that it would be for me being, you know, living without any sight, it would have been completely useless in an actual real situation. So I was looking for practical and practical and effective self-defense. So with my limited knowledge at the time, I went to Krav Maga and I was turned away there because the instructor said that I won't be able to see any punches coming in, which is true, but I didn't give up and I looked and the rest is history, I guess. (laughs) (laughs) How would you describe Veronica as a student, Kevin? Oh, fantastic. Um, As an instructor, um, if somebody could pick up what you're putting down, it makes it easy, right? So with Veronica, it's really easy. She gets a lot of the concepts. And I think her background in the martial arts obviously helped that. She didn't come with zero knowledge. Um, but also she's a good student in that she's she's dedicated. She she takes the advice and goes back onto the mats and practices and practices and practices. With, with our art, you, you kind of know whether it works or not. If the person doesn't fall right. down, you didn't do it right. So <laughs> right. he kind of, she was, she went to the mat, went to the mat, went to the mat and, and, and made things work. Put in the hard work and dedication to make it go. How many times a week do you train, Veronica? Uh, these days, three times. We have three classes a week. This, this in the summertime. <laughs> right. So I go three times. Okay. But uh, there were, you know, in the last year, I've gone as many as five times. As often as I can, basically. Right. So tell me more about uh, the self-defense program for the blind and why that was needed. Well, we have done, was it five workshops or was it six workshops? I can't even. Yeah, we, we sort of looked at it with Veronica coming to the club. It sort of opened up some avenues for me that I never really considered working um, into. And so she said, would you be interested in doing the seminar? I said, yeah, absolutely. So it was more, is there interest out there? And and when we started doing the seminars, I think it was the people that really motivated us to do it because the feedback, the feedback after just a couple of hours, people were saying how much better they felt, how much more confident. And I'm going like, I don't even get this two hours. Right. Right. But a lot of it was that they'd never thought about it. They've never done it. They never even thought about what if somebody does grab me. So just to 
think of yourself in those scenarios and think, hey, what would I do? You, you all of a sudden have a better understanding of where you're at. So I, I think just them coming and doing it. But the one thing that I heard that really bothered me the most, one of the first seminars we did is, uh, as we were talking about being robbed and, you know, what can happen, things like that. And, um, and the person said, well, most people ignore us. They don't rob us. Mm. And it just sort of sat with me like, wow, you're not even good enough to be robbed. Right. Like that's really terrible. Right. Yeah. So that really encouraged it, it, it is. It's terrible. Right. So it really, I mean, it's that's, good, but... that's what one of the more things that motivated me the most to be like, wow, I want to at least get out there and do this with people, regardless if they ever right. need it for self-defense or not. Just for me to, to get in there and have fun and meet people is, is totally rewarding. You find it empowering, Veronica? Oh, absolutely. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. And the, the feedback you said about not being seen, really. Right. Do you mm-hmm. feel that? Um, a lot of the times. A lot of the times, yeah. It's, um, it's interesting. I, I guess it's just one of the way that general public perceives blind people. You know, even the common, you know, when someone walks into something, or something like, are you blind? Right. You know, like you're stupid. It just, I don't know. It's a generalized, you know, you can't see, well, obviously, or, you know, you're just, out of the picture and you don't matter you're, in the, you're just in the background right I, I think in veronica's case she's somebody that won't be ignored so <laughs> it's a little bit different maybe okay. for her than for That's, for other people in yeah, her I situation think so. I, definitely. <laughs> how many people do you have coming out to these seminars we had a really good turnout yeah, they vary anywhere um, six, seven, I guess, participants. And then sometimes they have support workers and stuff. So mm-hmm. yeah. 10, 12, 15, 20, right? It, it really yeah. depends on the, yeah. the last one. Yeah, it was, it was pretty healthy turnout. And once everybody had their canes swinging around, yeah, it was, oh, yeah. It was pretty interesting oh, yeah. Yeah, day. Yeah, yeah. That, was, <laughs> that was a lot of fun. I was just going to say that's one of the things we've sort of learned how to do is is incorporate some of the jiu-jitsu into some of the tools they have already with them. A lot of them yeah. have the cane. Well, mm-hmm. That can be used pretty offensively if you if you have a bit of an idea how. Right. So yeah. part of that was really interesting for me to work in with the community and say, hey, well, what do you have? That's an advantage we can we can use here. Right. Uh, and you have your guide dog with you. Are they part of the program at all? No, we don't train them to protect. Um but I can talk to the dog trainer. I mean, <laughs> I think that's a different skill set, yeah, obviously, for, for a dog a to have. But, right. but even just the presence of a dog, um, a friend, anything else that helps um, yeah. build your advantage, right? You, you're less likely targeted. Okay. Yeah. And how is your dog? He is amazing. Now, he's my third guide dog, and he's very different from the other two that I had before. And I don't know if it's the other two were girls, if that makes a big difference. But I'm really not worried, you know, ever getting attacked with this guy by my side. I know. I, I just walked out to meet you guys and he was ready to pounce on me. <laughs> he was going to lick you to death. Yeah. But, you know, that's besides the point. But people, people would probably come up if they were in a position where they were looking to do something bad. And I think he would pick up on that. Yeah. yeah. It has a sense. And yeah. so if people want to check out this seminar. Where are you operating and what do they have to do? If specifically they're looking with Blind Sports Association to join, we already have the program. We have the dates determined. We're starting October the 2nd and they basically need to call up Manitoba Blind Sports Association, become a member. Otherwise, we have self-defense 
courses at our club. Yeah, um, Beset Jiu-Jitsu, uh, the best way to get a hold of us is through the website, yeah. winnipegjujitsu.ca. And um, and like Veronica said, we have a specific programming uh, set up in place with funding, and that's why it's yeah. really specific for mm-hmm. that date. Okay. But if yeah. anybody is at all interested, then the whole point is to try to get people involved and active. So anybody that wants to get a hold of us, we'd be happy to line them up with some sort of training somewhere, somehow. Yeah. And for the Blind Sports Association specifically, I've, I've talked to them before just about how big a deal it really is to have an avenue where you can be active, right? Yes. <laughs> yes. Um, I, I'm a little bit, well, I'm a little bit different than the general, you know, um, I guess the blind community because I have not really taken any sports offered by them. Uh, I have. I have gone for swimming before, but that was many years ago. Mm-hmm. I basically went out and I did I try just about anything and everything. You know, I just call up and I talk to someone. If, if I'm interested, then I'll tell the instructor, by the way, I'm blind and I show up and I do it. But most people with visual impairment or who are blind, it's a scary thing to get out there, you know, and to join a club. It was. It was for me. I, I mean, I know how scared I was when I walked into that club. <laughs> I'm the only girl in my club. So <laughs> it, was, it was a little scary at first. Um, but... For people to go to a place where everyone knows what it's like to be blind, that you can't see, they understand, and the program is designed specifically. So it's not there's not that awkward moment, well, look over here, this is what you do, look, see? This is what you would get in most classes, and you do get that. So it's opening up that door to come out and to learn this important life skill. And... We have a lot of people interested and wanting to do this. So I don't know where it's going to go, but it's very exciting. Well, I appreciate you both coming uh, down here today to talk about it. Thank you very much. Thanks so much for having us. Thank you very much. 48 and a half hours away from kickoff against the Toronto Argonauts. And we're joined on the line by Thomas Miles of the Blue Bombers. Thomas, how are you doing tonight? Doing well, thank you. How are you? Good. Are you excited about uh, the second home game of the year? Yeah, I certainly am. It's a lot of fun playing in front of our fans. So you're now into your third season with the Blue Bombers. Does it ever get old playing in front of family and friends here in Winnipeg? You're from Winnipeg? Yeah, yeah, not at all. Um, every every game is just as much fun as the first one. Now, you played for the Argonauts to start your career. Is it different playing against the Argos than other teams, or is it just another game? It's just another game. Um, maybe the first time I played them after I was released, um, that one might have had a bit more weight. But since then, it's it's really just another game. Okay. Now, starting 3-0, and the Blue Bombers, the only undefeated team in the CFL. How would you characterize the start of the season for your club? I think it is. we've gotten the results we wanted. Uh, we still see a lot of room for improvement. Uh, I don't think we could say that we've put together a truly complete game yet. Um, but we are, we are pleased, obviously, with the results so far. Um, but we're taking it one week at a time. And I've listened back to a lot of the audio from practice today. A lot of people were asked, okay, how do you make sure you don't take Toronto lightly? They're 0-3, the Bombers are 3-0. And the the line seems to be, well, these are professional athletes we're playing against. 
and they've got a lot of pride. They're not going to come here and just roll over. So I imagine if I ask you the same question, you'll probably say something similar. Yeah, yeah, the same, uh, the same answer there. Along with uh, anyone who follows the CFL knows that any team can win, um, regardless of what their record says, if the other team can show up. So we know that we've got to bring it on Friday. Mike Miller was named a special or, or a, a top performer for his seven special teams tackles in Ottawa. How good of a special teams player is Mike Miller? Man, he's fun to watch, isn't he? Yeah. Um, it's it's pretty incredible. Um, he'll go down as one of the best special teams players to ever play in the CFL. Um, I think he's a future Hall of Famer, you know. So uh, it's a lot of fun to play with him. And there are times every single game where we just kind of shake our heads at something he's managed to accomplish. What's he like in practice? Pardon? What is he like in practice? Oh, he's... He's really laid back, which is funny because it just completely um, flies in the face of how he plays on the field. But, uh, yeah, he's, he's a really laid back guy. Do you try to, when you see him running around like that, does that kind of inspire you to kind of try to fly around too? Oh, yeah, yeah. We uh, we all draw um, a little bit of motivation from Mike for sure. And Justin Medlock was talking about how he likes to have dogs on special teams. What does that mean? Uh, guys who are going to get after the football. Um, so Medi, uh, Medi's um, very um, very big on the details, but also on making sure that he's got guys who are going to go down and chase down his punts. You know, he's, he's a very accurate kicker. Um, but even with that, you still need guys who are going to get down there and bring down the returners. So uh, that's, that's what he means by dogs, guys who are really going to get after it. So we're about 48 hours away from kickoff. What does, for you specifically, the next two days look like? Uh, they're pretty light. We have a walkthrough day tomorrow, and then we're off until about two hours before game time on Friday. So I take it easy. I kind of stay out of the sun and do some reading and some film study, and that's about it. So are you kind of on your own time then? You're at your own place? Yeah. And Friday, I guess Thursday night. What is there a specific bedtime you have? No, no, it uh, it kind of varies. Uh, you know, we get to sleep in the next day. Uh, like I'm not doing anything crazy, but of course not. Uh, I'm not monitoring my bedtime. Okay, uh, you said reading. What are you going to be reading? Uh, um, right now, I'm reading uh, Twenty One Lessons for the Twenty First Century. Um, so probably that one. What, uh, how far are into it? And tell me more about what that's about. Um, I'm about halfway through. It's a bit of a doomsday sort of sounding book so far, actually. (laughs) Um, it's just looking at, uh, basically the challenges in the 21st century from, uh, global warming to technological disruption and all sorts of fun stuff. So it's maybe not the best bedtime reading. (laughs) <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, you could say that. And some of it's a bit, you know, dull, so maybe it'll help put me to sleep. Okay. Uh, your birthday's coming up in a couple weeks. Anything special planned for your 27th? Um, we'll actually be in, I think we'll be out east for that. That's uh, We've got a Hamilton in Toronto, so uh, my sister lives in Toronto, so maybe I'll be able to meet up with her. Sounds good. Uh, I just want to ask you quickly before I let you go. You made a trip up to Norway House a couple months ago. Tell me more about that. 
Yeah, John Rush and I went up uh, to present for the Bombers Tackle Bullying and Break the Silence to End Violence Against Women campaigns. Um, and so we, we spoke at the school there, and we had a really wonderful time. Uh, everyone was uh, super warm with us and treated us well, and uh, I, I'd love to be back. I've, um, I've gone up north a couple times for presentations, and every single time just uh, really enjoyed it. Why is it important to give back to the community and do these outreach programs? Well, I love my community, and I don't think my community is just Riverview and Winnipeg. I think it's, you know, all of Manitoba and all of Canada. Um, so I, I just really enjoy getting out there and, you know, interacting with kids and hopefully passing on a good message and, uh, you know, maybe uh, maybe just giving them a positive memory to, to hang on to. Well, Thomas, I appreciate you taking time to talk to me tonight. Best of luck Friday night. Thank you very much. Bob Irving talking with the Blue Bombers ace kicker. Starts with Medlock talking about his punting. Thinks it's been pretty good so far this year. Yeah, yeah, it was uh, pretty solid. I thought there was a couple, you know, here and there, but just trying to continue to keep working on the little fundamentals and uh, to just be a weapon out there. I think... It's finally kind of clicking to me for punting. Um, and I've ha- I have more punts in my bag, right? So um, I think it's just kind of starting to click a little bit more. Because, you know, I used to go down, play here, you know, a year, and then go down to the NFL and then come back and then go back to the NFL. And so it kind of messed me up a little bit. And I just think right now my fundamentals are really good. And, um, you know, with the ramp, it makes it so much easier. I know my special teams coach, he gives me – you know, the power to kind of do what I need to do and be successful. He kind of trusts me that I'm going to hit the right punt in the right situation. So punting year after year, that sort of consistency makes a big difference. Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, I always kind of wondered, there's, you know, it was with like uh, Brett Maher and Cowboys, and I'd always like, oh, yeah, you know, like when did you kind of, when did it click? And he's like, it just took a few years, you know, like three, four years that where punting became natural, you know, because he's more of a kicker. So, yeah. I don't know. I think maybe last year was probably one of the years where it kind of clicked, but I think this year it's like really clicked. So I can definitely tell this year I'm like, it's clicking, you know? Um, and I've, I added a lot of different punts too. So being precise on your locations is, is key. So it's been, uh, I've been on, on my gunners a little bit too, you know, just to help me out a little bit more too. So they've been, you know, really buying in and I'm only as good as them and our, my punt team too. So, um, yeah, it's been pretty good. Final comment. You guys signed some players, lost some players. Your sense of how good this team can be this year, Justin? Um, it all comes down to that. You know, I think we were really good last year just because we um, we were healthy at the end of the year. Uh, 2017, I don't think we were really that healthy, right? So we had a good team. But um, we got some young guys. Um, we got some young dogs on DBs, it seems like, and on defense. So it'll be interesting to see how they blossom over the year. Yeah. It's all about how you play at the end. So we'll see how the young guys come up and how healthy we are. Um, on paper, obviously, we look good, but, um, I mean, you, you never know, right? That's right. It's all, all at the end, in my opinion. Tune in to the CGOB Sports Show weeknights from 7 to 9 with me, Christian O'Mell, or you can download the podcast on iTunes. It's actually on iTunes now. Wow. If you got an Android, then I dig you're out of luck, but Apple products, you're good. So listen to the podcast. Please subscribe.
You can rate it. What's the worst that could happen? <laughs>